0: We are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. Her name is Julia. She operates the Cosmic Peach podcast. Right now, it's in the top 1.5 podcasts in the world. And I've been on her show. I've talked about the JFK assassination, the West Memphis Three, and the Smiley Face Killers. There's a lot going on with the Smiley Face Killers right now. They just found the fifth body in um, Lady Bird Lake, in Austin so mm. people be careful out there watch out especially if you're in Austin or Chicago but I was looking at her show and I came across a show she did about ritual abuse in film she was on a podcast called Cult of Conspiracy so I was like oh that sounds like an ideal uh, topic for my show and something I know a little bit about I've done a lot of uh, shows Sean McCann and I've done two shows kind of that feature ritual scenes I was telling Julia in the intro before we started pre-show about Eyes Wide Shut and uh, Rosemary's Baby. But there's also some other ones I know. But uh, I listened to her her on there and invited her on, so I'm glad to have her. So, Julia, welcome to the
1: show. Hi! Thank you so much, William. I am thrilled to be here. I have also worked with Sean McCann, and he does really great deep dives into movies, like Nope. There's a newer movie called Nope, and it's by uh, Jordan Peel, And we worked on a little swap cast talking about Nope. And I think I've had him on before, but the episodes were removed because <laughs> we oh, got wow. into some darker topics with the SRA in movies, Stanley Kubrick, a lot of, like you were saying, Eyes Wide Shut, and just how occult Hollywood really is. And those episodes unfortunately got removed. But I think if the listeners want to go listen to the new one with Sean McCann called Nope, that one is still available for now. <laughs> where were you? Was you hosting thing. it
0: on Spreaker or Spotify? Do you know where it was?
1: Uh, Spotify for Spotify. podcasters. Oh, wow. It used to be yeah. called Anchor, but now it's called Spotify for podcasters. But. It's, I will put
0: a link to Nope. Yeah, it sounds like a good one. I saw you did. You were talking about that other one that came out recently, with its two main actors. It was uh, Skin and uh, What is it again? Was
1: that is it the horror movie Skin Marink, Yeah, where that was. Uh, kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. it. That one yeah. I I did a breakdown on because there is some really weird child abuse scenes in that movie, and a lot of people were they were using their normie minds to kind of come up with this theory that the kid was actually dead and this was the afterlife. And I actually think that the kid was disassociating the whole movie and the director was taking us on this disassociative mind trip that this kid was going through. But that is just my opinion I could be totally wrong or I could be totally right. It's up to the listeners to uh, watch it, listen to the episode and you know come up with their own theories. But this is the first horror movie of its kind that's like this.
0: And what what differentiates it from other horror movies?
1: It was referred to as a found footage movie. It is not a found footage movie it is a regular movie that was directed and the budget was super low i think the budget was like fifteen hundred dollars and it's grossing almost two million dollars now just because of how different it is the there's no background music the whole thing is in the dark. And there's really no cast other than two kids. So there's a lot about this that sets it apart from anything I've ever watched before. Especially not having background music. It My laptop actually fell asleep a couple times because it thought that my screen was just blank. But I was watching the movie, so... Yeah, real cerebral film.
0: Interesting. So it's like Blair Witch Project, super low budget. Mm-hmm. What was the other? Paranormal. What was that one that made Paranormal tons of Activity. Yes, yeah, that was super cheaply done, but scared of the liver.
1: Yep, <laughs> yep. So Skin and Marink is right up there with some of those top dogs, Blair Witch, and um, Paranormal Activity. I think this is a new version of horror i hope they expand on this because there's only so many horror movies you can watch where somebody's getting hacksawed or raped or mutilated before you're just over it which goes a lot to say about how desensitized we are as a society that it just doesn't do us do it for us anymore to watch somebody get hacksawed. We have to see. So this one I like because there's an aspect of horror, like the gruesome stuff, but it makes you think outside of the box. And you, you're you not quite sure what's going on in the entire movie. Even at the end, you're like, I don't know what the hell I just watched. I don't even know if that was a movie. <laughs> wow,
0: interesting.
1: You have to so watch it. But movies, you recommend
0: right? it. You definitely recommend it.
1: Yeah. uh, If you are someone who gets scared easily, do not watch it or just don't watch it alone. Because I made the mistake of trying to watch it alone. And I had to pause it and wait till my husband got home. Because uh, it's one of those ones where it's like, can you walk me to the bathroom after you get done watching it?
0: That's scary. Wow.
1: Yeah. But uh, this one is a horror movie. But the movies that I had spoken about in the episode I did on Cult of Conspiracy are movies that are family-friendly, actually, that everyone knows, everyone enjoys, and you would never categorize them as having anything sinister going on. And in that episode, I more specifically talked about Star Trek. And... So what
0: what do you think is the kind of sinister undercurrent of that? Because I wouldn't, would not have perceived that in Star Trek.
1: Right. So are you a Star Trek fan, by the way?
0: I have watched a lot of the original ones. I had a friend who was like a total fanatic. So
1: back are in the day, you... the VCRs and
0: stuff, he had all the VCRs. And so we watched, it was only three seasons, right? The original Star Trek.
1: Mm -hmm. So I didn't watch as much of the show as I did the movies and then I watched uh, the brand new ones that just came out within the last few years with Chris Pine and and the cast, the new cast Zoe Saldana and I really liked him but there's this Guy by the name of Fritz Springmeyer, and mm-hmm. yeah, he wrote quite a few books. And actually, William, you could probably pull this up. Um, Fritz Springmeyer, Bloodlines of the Illuminati, uh, is the book that I read.
0: Right, where's the image? This, yes,
1: yes. Yep. There it is, right there. So, as you can see, when you do Google Images, the other thing that pops up along with Bloodlines of the Illuminati was a picture of Walt Disney. Yeah,
0: there he is. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. So, in this book, Fritz is giving us an outline of certain movies and the roles that they played in programming children in an MK ultra or satanic ritual abuse type of fashion and people want to say that I'm crazy when I say that but Fritz outlined it very beautifully in this book and when you watch the movies if you keep in the back of your mind that this isn't just a cartoon or this isn't just a sci-fi movie and you look for the deeper meanings behind them, you'll see it. It's real obvious. And in this book, he talks about how in the programs, when they're performing satanic ritual abuse to children, a lot of the times they play movies. They play movies like Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, Star Trek. Uh, any Disney movie really, because they're so fantastical that the child has an easier time disassociating and becoming part of that fictional world. And we see that storyline repeated over and over and over again. Look at Peter Pan, for example. They show you that you'll be swept away to this magical land by this boy who never grows up And the fun happens after the parents leave or the children are alone. That's something that's repeated in all Disney movies. You can't have fun while mom and dad are home. They have to get killed in the storyline or they're just not home at all or not present in the kid's life for the fun to happen. So that on its face is a little odd to me.
0: Yes, that's right. So, like, the parents are never around. Isn't that the famous story of all the princess stories of uh, Mm -hmm. Disney Is the mom? It doesn't exist, right?
1: Either they're a single parent or there's no parents. And for a child, there are several layers to this, but let's say for a child while they're watching a movie like that, they can't differentiate in their mind the difference between watching something on a screen and something happening to them in real life. So when they see the death of a parent in a movie, they are actually enduring a form of trauma because the child now realizes their own mortality and the mortality of their parents. But on an even deeper level while satanic ritual abuse is occurring to a child while they're watching a movie like Alice in Wonderland the purpose of the ritual is to take that child's alpha identity and disassociate that so they can create an altar in the child so an an alter personality or an alter identity within the child that they can program like a Manchurian candidate to go out and do things. So for example, Alice in Wonderland, the child's alpha personality is the one that's going on the adventure. The one that's going down the rabbit hole while the abuse is occurring And so that is how they create these alter egos. And when you look at Disney movies, you will see that this fantastical journey happens to all of the main characters. And there's a reason why everything is called a rabbit hole. Even in the Matrix, follow the white rabbit. This symbolism is repeated over and over and over again. Black and white tile floors the queen of hearts. The, the symbolism is there if you look for it. But, I mean, break in at any time, William. Do you have any thoughts? No, I think uh, it's interesting because the
0: White Rabbit shows up in all the new Balenciaga kind of satanic mm-hmm. ritual abuse mm-hmm. child things, although it's not kind of ritual abuse in film, it's definitely symbolizing ritual abuse for those in the know. So, we like why right. is this White Rabbit all over the place? Well, that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and actually, I think that that's even the cards. I don't. I think it's the Queen of Diamonds or the Queen of Hearts, and the Manchurian Candidate itself is what triggers the mind control assassin in the original.
1: Wow, oh, yeah. see another tie back to Alice in Wonderland.
0: Yeah, so let me see if I can find, find that.
1: Another movie that struck me that. I could see not only from Fritz Springmeier's book, but just watching it was Star Trek. And they use the term getting beamed up in Star Trek, which in a program, they would use the term Star Trek as kind of like a trigger word. So if the kid's getting beamed up, quote unquote, that's essentially them disassociating. Like they're getting beamed up, the, the right. alpha identity is being beamed up, and then the alter can step in. And I've actually been doing a lot of research into the Franklin scandal and Paul Benassi and what he had to say about the programs, how he was disassociating. That is a whole other layer to this whole SRA thing, too. Wow.
0: That's crazy. So, like, they they were tortured really bad, those Franklin grids, too. And then Mm -hmm. they were killed off, yeah. So, some of them were really dark, super dark.
1: There's this whole connection between Paul Benassi and the Franklin cover-up thing and Johnny Gosh. The missing kid that was never found in the eighties.
0: Right, so there's the red, red queen. That's his trigger in the Manchurian Candidate, Queen of Diamonds. Sorry,
1: the red queen of diamonds.
0: Yeah, the red queen of diamonds is is it not the queen of hearts? But it's still that's his trigger in that film. You'll see him. That's flip so
1: interesting to me because that's kind of what Frank Olson was working on. Before he got clubbed and drugged and pushed out of a window.
0: Was what? He was working on the kind of mind control stuff?
1: Yeah, LSD for mind control and creating Manchurian Candidates. That was his Mona Lisa, if you will. Wow. So, this looks like a relatively old clip. Yeah, this is from 63.
0: I think this film is from 63.
1: Think about that. They've had so long to perfect this, William. Yeah, they have. So... They cracked,
0: I mean, according to O'Neill, they cracked it in the, you know, in the late 50s. They cracked a whole... They were able to create a mind-control assassin, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they mm-hmm. said. The pub there publicly said all our research into MKUltra came up to nothing. But the CIA is such a consistent liar that... Anytime they say something, it really means the absolute opposite. So they found out a lot of stuff, I think, during everything that started from 53 is when it really took off. But there was knowledge, actually. A lot of the research shows that the Nazis were involved in a lot of stuff. And some of these psychiatrists were doing mind control-ish things before MK Ultra in the 1930s and stuff
1: like that. Yep. So- okay. So that's perfect. I'm so glad you brought that up because now we can segue into Walt Disney a little bit. So, as I was looking into Disney, I came up with a few things. I had read a little bit about it in Bloodlines of the Illuminati. Yep, say right there, Volume 3. But then I dove into it a little more on my own. And, I mean, I don't know where you are with the World's Fairs, like the Chicago World Fairs and these incubator babies and orphan trains and stuff like that. I think that there was a lot more going on than what meets the eye. Interesting. But actually Walt Disney and his father were involved in the Chicago World Fair and the New York New York World's Fair. Um, and Walt Disney, as a young man, I think he was 19, was also involved with the Red Cross in 1918. And the Red Cross has been linked to the Knights Templar and money laundering. But, so, he's he's only 19 when he's getting involved with World's Fairs and the Red Cross. And then later... In 1920, he joined the De Mole, which is essentially the Mickey Mouse Club for the Knights Templar, right? Jacques and Molay. the Masons. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Jacques de Molay was killed on Friday the 13th in France. So yeah, that's why. Right. The, the, 13th. the mm-hmm. King of France stole, stole all their money, Templar money and stuff like that. It's kind of a notorious date, yeah.
1: And it's this kind <laughs> of precursor to all these other secret societies, quote unquote, the De Molay. and, um. The Day Molay had only just come into being in 1920 as far as this club you could join. And so Disney was one of the first initiates into the club. And what's odd is that being involved with two World's Fairs and part of two different secret society clubs linked to the Masons and the Knights Templar before the age of 20... Says enough on its own, but then this guy goes on to be arguably the most famous person on earth. Think about that, William.
0: Yeah, Disney becoming one of the most famous people on earth.
1: Yeah, Disney, yeah, Walt yeah. Disney is arguably one of the most famous people on earth. No matter what country you go to, somebody is going to talk about a Disney movie, somebody's right. been to Disneyland, somebody's been to Disney World, Mickey Mouse, whatever. And it's timeless. Even 1920s, or, sorry, not 1920s. Um, When did, like, Snow White come out? That was, like, one of the first ones. People are still idolizing that movie. I don't know. Had to
0: have been early. Like, it's still timeless. 1937
1: animated. hmm Okay, 1937. So, most of the rumors that surround Disney as a person, not the franchise or company, whatever, Walt Disney, um, is that he was a wizard, an occultist, a magician, a Satanist, a racist, misogynistic. I mean, the list goes on, but the proof is in the pudding. When we look at his work, he never promotes a strong family structure, as I said right. before, and it's like loaded with all these rituals and spell casting and magic. I believe it's magic with a K, not magic as in fairy la la la. But I think the movies themselves could be kind of like elaborate trauma rituals for children because as I had stated earlier kids can't differentiate in their mind the difference between watching something on a screen and something happening to them in real life so when you see Bambi's mom get shot and murdered uh all the like uh Tarzan's mom gets eaten up by a mountain lion and it's just it's pretty gruesome for kids cartoons but I do think that his connection with NASA is where people can start agreeing that this is taking a weird turn. Because how does someone who's made a living making kids cartoons get involved with the creation of NASA?
0: That is so crazy. So he called, Disney collaborated with NASA rocket designer Werner von Braun, right? right.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, he was awesome. besties, actually, with Warner Von Braun, and they call this the Babylon Bunch, but it was Aleister Crowley, Warner Von Braun, uh, Parsons, Elron Hubbard, and Walt Disney. These are the, wow. the bunch that created NASA.
0: That's crazy. I he had no idea that, that Disney was, they're all around that same area. I think Disney mm-hmm. even lived in Pasadena at one time, if I remember.
1: Mm-hmm. crazy and i mean maybe i'm wrong but drawing cartoons is not rocket science so where's the connection like it's to say birds of a feather flock together so what do they have in common what's the connection maybe they're all involved in the dark occult simple as that they are all into the same crap right and we see the programming in Disney movies; they all work on depravity and inversion and dark occult rituals, in my opinion. But it just well, makes sense.
0: Have do you know in the Have you seen the Sorcerer's Apprentice with Mickey Mouse?
1: This I've watched the Sorcerer's Apprentice with Nicolas Cage.
0: Okay, well, there's an original Sorcerer's Apprentice with like a that's a cartoon It's from 1940. But the guy's like has the magic hat and everything. It's guess who the who the sorcerer is?
1: Is it L. Ron Hubbard?
0: No, it's a guy named Yen Sid, which is Disney. inverted Disney, right? Oh, so my di- yeah, so the let me see if I can bring up the sorcerer's apprentice. Oh
1: my! Yeah, gosh. so it's
0: Disney and they have everything. Like people have said that it's like. Uh, let me see if I can find this. People have said it's like. Uh, the source. Uh... People have said it's like, uh, oh, where is it? It's like a symbolism of all this kind of magic stuff. There it is. Yeah. Fantasia. It's actually called Fantasia.
1: Fantasia. Okay. Let's see it. If it'll even show it,
0: it's not showing it. Anyway. It's where if people are there, they can listen to it. It's if
1: you do Google Images, yeah. it'll probably pull up that iconic picture of Mickey Mouse with the wizard's hat yeah, on that's it. Yeah. and the little magic wand that they use now for merch.
0: <laughs> it's right. always,
1: it's right. always Mickey with his, his robe, his cloak, and right. his wizard's hat. And, I mean, we're bombarded on a massive level with black magic, and we have never once fought against it. The exact opposite, actually. We promote it, and we wear it on our t-shirts and subscribe to the Disney Plus channel and all this stuff, so on and so on. But, I mean, there are many layers to this, as I said before. Just his connection with Warner Von Braun and Crowley should be enough to get people scratching their heads
0: right it's crazy <laughs> i had no idea that disney was tied with braun until now mm-hmm. like that's off the charts because that puts him right in there and disney really was a kind of a change agent right so all of these disney films are really culture change and stuff like that do you know who the biggest owner of disney stock is right now
1: oh my god who
0: it's uh it was steve jobs until he died now it's steve jobs's wife because they sold pixar yeah so you ever see a picture of her with gillaine maxwell
1: Yes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Sickos. They're all yeah, so sickos. She's, the,
0: no, she's like the big cheese at Disney. Bigger than the Disney family.
1: Oh, my God.
0: That's yeah, crazy.
1: Yeah, crazy. Think about that. In all those Disney cruises, you wonder about the maritime laws and Little oh, St. James Island and all that crap. Imagine what was going on with, with child trafficking and shit like that. I mean, stuff oh. like that. Sorry, William. I know you okay. don't curse. It's okay. <laughs>
0: But if yeah, you I mean,
1: actually Google Warner von Braun and Disney. There's quite a few pictures of them, buddy, buddy, kind of clanging a beer and just I didn't know having a good see old here. time. Yeah, look at up. I found
0: the Sorcerer's Apprentice. This is what it is. I mean, this is total like children's magic. Watch this whole thing. So that's Yen Sid. That's Disney. And there he is carrying the water. And this is like a full on sorcery. That's supposed to be Disney. That's Yed Sid. Look at the Disney owl. Background.
1: The owl at the very top there. Crazy. Or a bat, whatever it is.
0: Oh, I have to go back and research on that. So there it is. There they are. Totally together.
1: In his red robe. Red and and blue robes.
0: Hanging out all the time.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're... So these photos that you just brought up of of Warner Von Braun and Walt Disney, they're always uh, just real um, buddy-buddy, hey, look, Disney, at this little rocket thing I'm making, and we do see a lot of of space propaganda-type stuff in Disney movies, and you don't have to be like a flat earther to think that there's something weird about NASA. There's something weird about NASA, though. Yeah,
0: no question. There's something very weird about NASA. And Von Braun was fully a paperclip, like a literal paperclip scientist. And he was much darker than people know. He was at this kind of place where they had slave labor. And he was like a ranking Nazi. He was like a colonel in the Nazi party. So they had to really whitewash that guy.
1: But you know what else is weird? Is Stanley Kubrick was also friends with warner von braun really
0: wow I didn't so know that. are there pictures of them together how did they know each other
1: when stanley was maybe 20s early 20s he was hanging out with warner von braun at his house drinking whiskey and staying up all night uh chugging the butts and smoking cigars Uh, Talking about all these stories with Warner Von Braun and some of these more secret German type of people. But isn't it odd that there's this whole thing about Stanley Kubrick faking the moon landing and putting the clues into The Shining, which is why... Um, Stephen King hated it so much as Stanley totally turned it all the way upside down and made it his own thing. But what are the odds of Warner Von Braun being involved in not only Disney, but also Stanley Kubrick's life? And they both are prolific, infamous, you know, famous movies and, and It makes you think, like, NASA's got something to do with the film industry. NASA's got something to do with propaganda.
0: Right. No, it's amazing. It's not just some kind of, like, quiet, uh, austere, distant space agency. They're involved in all kinds of stuff. They bought, I think they bought the camera for Kubrick to use in 2001, A Space Odyssey. And there's mm-hmm. a book by I can't remember the author, but they called Stanley Kubrick's, like where he did his uh, filming outside of London, NASA East. How was their nickname for it. So Think like about they that. Yeah. So it's like so strange all that stuff working together. And there's like pictures of these. Guys. I wonder if like Clark has to be wrapped up in these guys too. Clark was a like a known full on pedophile man like really like
1: obvious like that's a really good connection to Eyes Wide Shut because not only was he friends not only was Stanley Kubrick friends with Warner Von Braun and then he goes on to put all these weird clues in The Shining he's downright telling us some stuff in Eyes Wide Shut so you have to wonder if he knew about Disney and these weird pedo rings and all this stuff. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell goes on to be the, the head honcho at Disney now. Come on. There, there is too much here. There's one thing to say you're stretching or you're speculating or you're putting stuff together that doesn't really go together. This is kind of streamlined. Disney had an occulted history going all the way back to him working at the Chicago World's Fair, Warner Von Braun, Elron Ron Hubbard, Crowley, Kubrick, they all were in this little clique, this Babylon bunch together. And just look at what they were showing you with their work.
0: That's oh, it incredible. incredible. Yeah, they knew all that stuff. They knew all the occult stuff. If you read through Arthur C. Clarke's, uh, I haven't read all of his science fiction but he knew all of the Masonic numerology, just like Disney. Disney had that Club 33, right? That's mm. like the secret club at Disneyland. Are you aware of that?
1: So I, I'm aware of it to a degree. I I haven't looked into it a lot. But I actually know that the, uh, in the 60s Epcot, the City of Tomorrow, was based on Nazi ideals.
0: Really? Wow, I didn't know that.
1: So, and this is during Project Paperclip when we got Werner von Braun and most likely we got Mengele. I don't right. think he escaped and ran away or was massacred or any of those things. I think that he actually came over with Werner von Braun in this whole like paperclip thing.
0: I think that the, the, the story is that he became some kind of MK guy under Mr. Green. Like they had a fake name. And He drowned in some kind of water accident somewhere in South America. Like mm. he made it through. He was clipped. And there was you a guy, he, also a guy at really NASA.
1: Was? Pardon me? Do you think he really was? Or do you think th- he still he was still alive?
0: I think he made it through World War II, like a lot of these guys. Okay. I think he just got clipped in super secret, top secret usage and brought over and then died to natural death. He didn't deserve to die a natural death. But I think I think. They proved that the bones they found in South America were Mengele's. So I think he was probably just some kind of like dark operative for Western intelligence. Just brought him over. Like, what's really weird is that a lot of these Nazis came over and were like negotiating. Like, Galen was the head of Hitler's intel for Russia on the East, in the Eastern, whatever front they call it from Germany. And the guy was like walking around the United States in the 50s. Like, not monitored, having meetings with Alan Dulles. And so this is a guy who knew all of the intel for, like, Russia. So they brought him over and used him. And that's how these guys negotiated and survived. is they had something that the elites in the United States wanted.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they were trying to get to their level. Yeah. yeah they because were. they had already started working on all these secret programs. They just brought them over to the U.S. And we continued them and funded them. And gave them all the backing. And I mean, it's a long story on how, but Disney is actually tax exempt like a church.
0: Right. There's a huge fight fight about their, yeah, there's a huge fight about the exemption in Orlando. Mm -hmm. There's a huge battle. But this is, see that guy with the cut on his face in between Kennedy and Johnson? That cut on his face, that's another Nazi, right, who uh, was paperclipped. His name is, uh, Kurt Debus, D-E-B-U-S.
1: Look at that black and white tile floor.
0: Yeah, there it is. Totally Masonic, right?
1: It reminds me of this scene in, I believe it was Captain America, where they find all this Project Paperclip stuff in the movie, and they're talking about how it was a real thing, and da-da-da-da-da. The room in that scene... Looks just like this one. You might be able to find it, William. If you say do. it again,
0: where? What is it?
1: Captain America, Project Paperclip scene. <clears throat> It should is be this, Scarlett Johansson, right, and let's see.
0: Is it any one of these?
1: Yeah. See those monitors. Look. Think. Look at that room okay. right <laughs> where down a little bit where they're looking at all the monitors. where it says superhero ethos yep mhm and they're looking at the monitors in that room it looks just like the room you just showed me
0: right they probably b- borrowed it from there
1: and this is the this is the scene where they're talking about all the nazis and project paperclip and how the red skull was a Nazi and all this stuff oh, And it's, oh, wow. it's, it's, it's weird It's really oh, weird wow. They always include stuff like that Into movies But you know all the Marvel movies Are on Disney Plus
0: There you go Wow <laughs> So it all comes back So people are being integrated into this Kind of subconsciously right So all of those ideas are hitting you Not overtly but it's just that And that may be the most powerful thing of all it's not like, the, hey, we're going to talk about uh, you not having parents in this environment, but you're being integrated into that. And you identify with the lead hero, right? And their mm-hmm. parents are gone. So it's kind of like uh, osmosis or some kind of psychological osmosis.
1: And I think that the the government rituals are based on and work upon the most ancient mystery religions, like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. They're all involved in these Canaanite. Akkadian Hittite like Babylonian rituals and a lot of the time when people hear government programs they think that it's not spiritual in nature but this is a spiritual war and I think that understanding that they work on these principles it makes things make more sense when you go why in the world would they want to do this why in the world are they interested in programming our minds or putting this stuff subconsciously into movies it's because it is a ritual this is spiritual no matter how you slice it
0: right and so these guys interests are just to make the change in conformance with their will in the world right so they're like mm-hmm. magicians
1: right they Which are, are magi- they are jarga magi- cult magicians And if you even think on it, like all the first Disney programs were focused on space. And then he later becomes involved with NASA. But one of the characters' names in the first Disney cartoons was Elon.
0: Wow. Crazy. (laughs) so strange. And then this guy's like the biggest space adventure ever, Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. With a very strange background, in, in fact. And a lot of his money comes from the government. That's, I mean, he may be the world's richest man, but he was subsidized by so many of these things through the government uh, largesse. So yeah,
1: Elon just actually won the Von Braun Award. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so it's just
0: one line, and he's a full occultist. Like he never he says really anything is. about Christianity or anything like that. And uh, he's been wore wore that weird upside down cross thing, and
1: yeah, he's a transhumanist. I mean- yeah. The thing about it is, is Disney is a big contender in this, but so is Paramount. And I've done a lot of research into the Nephilim. I've talked to Gary Wayne a lot. A lot of people are familiar with Gary Wayne. And the icon, the logo of Paramount is Mount Hermon, where the fallen angels descended down on. And so every time, right before you watch one of their Black Magic Hollywood movies, you have to look at this insignia, and it kind of harkens back to the origins of this spiritual war. But Paramount is responsible for Star Trek. And actually, if you Google MK Ultra Star Trek, they've got this new movie coming out that's extremely interesting on Paramount Plus, uh, and... I can't wait to watch it. I haven't watched it yet, but it's it looks interesting. We'll see what there little
0: Hanson Mount on why the MK Ultra Script grabbed him and what to expect from Star Trek Strange New Worlds. <laughs> wow, MK Ultra history, it's right there.
1: How in the world are those two things linked? It's because Star Trek is a part of this. Yeah. I don't and... think they're gonna put anything awe-inspiring in this movie other than the fact, like you said before, they acknowledge MK Ultra was a real thing but that they concluded their study and that it was never uh, carried it never, on. It was, it was a waste day. of money
0: and time. They spent right. as much money as they did on the Manhattan Project. So billions of dollars. Literally like spare no expense. So mm-hmm. they spent, so it was called spent money on... Um, something that never worked so it's very strange and then we destroyed all the paperwork trust us we just got (laughs) rid that's what uh he said so it's almost like in your face just bs lies like no proof or anything just didn't work we destroyed everything let's move forward you know whenever you see people like take themselves off like the fbi did the same thing recently. They like said we've made changes this will never happen again you guys don't have to worry about anything trust Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. so whenever you see that out of dc uh, you should. You probably... need
1: to immediately draw up your red flag when you yes. hear stuff like that. And Thank the gosh. reason I think these episodes where I talk about stuff like this are so captivating is because, on some level, everyone understands that this is real, that we are victims in a never ending game with these people. And I recently was uh, speaking with someone and I asked them if they knew about the test that would run when the television programs were over at the end of the night. They would play the national anthem and it would kind of cut to white noise or something along those lines. That was way before my time. But they were playing some kind of a frequency they were testing some stuff out and then they they had to apologize for it later i think bill clinton actually ap- had to apologize for running this test on people so like that that was that was in the 60s or something along those lines up into the 80s even and how do you apologize for 20 years of Messing with someone's subconscious mind,
0: right? Yeah, was did it the radiation didn't test they did? You
1: wrong.
0: Yeah, there was some radiation experiment they did. They were doing all kinds of experiments on people. They're probably mm-hmm. still doing it today. He mm-hmm. said uh, radiation tests, Tuskegee experiments. So yeah, the government, uh, the history of the U.S. government in treating people like guinea pigs is. Uh, decades old
1: yeah uh, and the i don't know what your stance on this is um william but the fluoride in the water and how they are including that in a lot of recent movies is i don't know if they're trying to make it comical so people think that it's stupid but i've watched at least three movies since 2020 where they reference fluoride in the water in a comical way and one of those movies was another jordan peele movie called us i don't know if Mm. you watched that
0: i haven't seen any of his films yet but people say good things about him
1: he's like a kubrick to me i think that he's a a brilliant genius but i also find some occulted crap in there (laughs) so i mean nobody gets off scot-free nobody gets off scot-free
0: it's everywhere. That's the whole thing is like the whole, everything, the whole culture is just redolent with this stuff, and nobody seems to really want to talk about it. It's mm-hmm. literally everywhere esoteric ideas, occult ideas, but it's almost like the intellectual, you know, commentary class never really wants to go in there. It's like they just stay within this preordained, you know, Overton window that's acceptable uh, discourse when, like, the most important stuff that's happening is the occult kind of ideas that are Mm -hmm. influencing day-to-day life so it really is a remarkable kind of phenomenon a kind of a sociological phenomenon like like a social
1: experiment because if you can get behind an actor that's in a movie if you really like that actor whatever they're trying to portray in that movie you're kind of on board with it and i actually shouted you out when i was on uh, the interview for Tinfoil Hat because of, they they brought something up about Damien Eccles and I was trying to do my best William Ramsey and I was like, you really should just talk to him about it because I'm not the expert on it. But there was a movie that came out that kind of made it seem like he was not involved in it. I think it was called like Devil's Knot or something like that. Right.
0: There was West of Memphis was one of them,
1: yeah. Right. So like- I think one of them had like, Reese Witherspoon
0: even in it or something oh, right, like yeah. that based on devil's not yet yeah, Laura uh, Leverett Mara Leverett book it was supposed to be the book of record but there's many omissions in there
1: but think about that if you portray something in a certain way in that movie you're really going to have people thinking that he didn't have anything to do with this right. because right. of a movie <laughs> right.
0: it has Reese Reese Witherspoon and uh I forgot what the famous English actor is, but yeah, you're right. They probably, people just see it. So there's a lot of propaganda out there, even these films and the documentaries that really aren't documentaries, but uh, people are being bombarded with stuff. yeah, And being like,
1: um, you know, at the beginning of the movie, if they say based on true events, that everything in the movie really happened that way, which that doesn't mean it could be very, very loosely based on true events and they could still say that.
0: Right, yeah. The, I think at the end of Devil's Not, they just kind of wrap it up by saying, We don't, we'll never know what really happened there. That's mm-hmm. the way it is. They just left it like with a loose end. So mm-hmm. it's very strange film, in, in kind of the sense that, but very Hollywood, like a Hollywoodized version, not what's in the court case. But, uh,
1: you know, that's another, you
0: know, it's kind of like a ritual abuse kind of theme in that film, too. So it's a lot of like these, it really is.
1: There. And I think that Johnny Depp being as, Infamous as he is, and for a reason, I'm not going to discount him in any way. But if he gets on board with Damian Eccles or free him, he's innocent, whatever. If you are a Johnny Depp fan, whether you know the case file or not, or looked at the forensic evidence or not, you're going to jump on the bandwagon because you support that actor. So if he thinks he's innocent, therefore I think he's innocent. But another thing that I was going to say is even going back to uh, the Laurel Canyon a little bit with the movies that were coming out in the 60s. You look at Kenneth Anger, a lot of occulted stuff in his movies like Lucifer Rising and all these weird, um, what was one, uh, Easy Rider. And Jack Nicholson himself, I believe, is into the dark occult.
0: Wouldn't be surprised at all. If he's hanging out with uh, Polanski, probably is one of those types.
1: Right. And there's that weird story about him slipping some Quaaludes or something into this underage girl's drink and da-da-da. Um, and he has no birth certificate. Nobody can find out where he came from. He grew up thinking his grandma was his mom and his mom was his sister and it's just, it's all weird, and I mean, that wasn't the only, there was uh, James Dean and Natalie Wood and all the stars from Rebel Without a Cause. They all died really weird, and it's it's like, how many people need to die, or like, how many weird things have to happen in Hollywood before people go, let's just cancel all of it? Let's just let's just listen to William Ramsey investigates all day. I think that would be better time spent.
0: It's so crazy, like Hollywood. The stories of the strange deaths, early deaths, abuse, the hidden abuse, the abuse that comes out. Super abusive environment. Holy smokes! Almost Mm -hmm. everybody. That's the way in is to get abused or homosexually abused, and all these rituals. And they just came out. Actually, people think like eyes wide shut is fake. They just came out that Hunter Biden was a member of this secret society in hollywood like a sex club called sanctum have you heard of that
1: oh my god so, no please break yeah, it. yeah sanctum
0: so he came out on sanctum the guy who started sanctum it included a lot of the elite in los angeles said he saw eyes wide shut and wanted to start a secret society based on that oh. like he literally referenced eyes wide shut as his inspiration to create the sanctum and hunter biden paid the ten thousand bucks and then they supposedly according to it, the owner kicked him out because he was a little too hands free with the ladies. So,
1: oh my. Um, and, God. I mean, his
0: Hunter Biden's like, uh, those that like uh, laptop is really incredible. I mean, it's a crime I mean, he's scene, a but,
1: real uh, slimy freak,
0: super slimy.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: like, he like for a guy with that kind of money and access, he was like hanging out in like the scroungiest, like crack hotels in um, <laughs> Delaware. Like, you have millions of dollars. You can go to a $300, $400 a night place and write it off or something. What are you doing in like a $100 a night, $50 a night hotel with like.
1: So he's up to some sick stuff. Really sick stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah no.
1: I'm sure if you look into it, he was abused as a child. There's a lot was, of stuff yeah. around, you know, growing up in, in political families. That's kind of your bargaining chip is your children. And how many child actors kind of had to go through that? Drew Barrymore, for sure. All those Steven Spielberg movies she was in. And um, there are so many stories about Heather O'Rourke from Poltergeist. This is a form of currency. And that's kind of what Paul Benassi said when he was talking about MKUltra and and the Franklin cover-up. That children are currency. They use them, right. or to um, basically put politicians into incriminating situations, and then blackmail them later. And it just so happens that most of them are into this sick crap. Most of the politicians, it's like, do you like little boys or little girls? Stick around after the party, and we'll, we'll find out. You know that that is so disgusting.
0: It's incredible. Like, they, they, there's major uh, politicians who've been blackmailed. Like, even in just, like, you don't see the users of the Epstein uh, sex trafficking stuff, but uh, what was her name? Jenna, uh, Virginia Jufre said that she was loaned out to Epstein, Epstein to George Mitchell and Richardson, who was the governor of New Mexico at the time, who went on to work at the U.N., So these guys were blackmailed going into huge positions. And you can just pull up, like, Mitchell became a negotiator. I mean, this is unbelievable. So after she you know, they slept with each other, whatever happened in 2000, 2001. Mitchell was a senator. So she is sleeping with the senator. That's how dark it got. And he went on to, like, negotiate the Palestinian-Israeli peace process. I mean, imagine if you are the guy watching this peace process and you know that this guy's been compromised that's the entire u.s government that's why weird things happen
1: that's Mm -hmm. why elections
0: get stolen and nothing happens or massive frauds take place and nothing happens it's because everybody's targeted
1: you nailed it you nailed it it no one is walking away clean from washington no way. No one is watching.
0: I think the blackmail in society is actually everybody. I think they're trying to blackmail anybody with power. They probably blackmailed or people at the very top have been blackmailed all the way down. So even the mid-range people that you may not even know about, like mm-hmm. they're trying to set them up or just use them or, or get something over them because then it be, you become their pawn, right, on the mm-hmm. great chessboard. So I think that people really have to really be uh, – like concern, you could get blackmailed anybody. They're trying to blackmail anybody on for anything. And it used to be if you were gay, like gay was like a big black. Now that's gone. So it's straight mm-hmm. pedophilia is the lever to control people. And one yeah, of the because
1: that- it's not even taboo to say I- I'm gay not anymore. That. No, that's yeah. not that's not gonna cut the ice. That's not gonna no, 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 no. be a big. Oh my goodness shocking statement anymore but kids i mean and it's like they're even getting to the point where they they have this politically correct term for it maps and right minor attracted wh-
0: persons yeah
1: where does it go after kids aren't even enough anymore
0: babies or animals or something weird like that but babies they have- bestiality. Yeah, I bestiality
1: i promise you that's where we're heading
0: yeah, we're sliding into Sodom and Gomorrah, but the uh, maps thing was in the Podesta files that were leaked, right, to uh, Julian Assange. There was something, I have a map with a handkerchief on black and white or some kind of weird coded stuff. I don't even know what a handkerchief is, but it's interesting that they use that term. So it was like somebody was trying to, like, you know, negotiate something with Podesta. Like, I've got something, can you fulfill this order, almost, like, and... Uh, one of the stories that you Virginia Dufrey, a lot of people have not noticed or emphasized from her biography, which is included in the Ghislaine Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell filings from like 2016 or 2018 or something like that, is that Maxwell and Epstein came to her and said, We want you to have a baby. We just give you money, but we're going to take the baby. Don't ask me any questions. Um. So they took her, yeah, they took her out onto like a pier at the Pedo Island. And tried to negotiate with her. Mm. You want to do this? And she said no. Thank God. But God only thank knows what would happen to that baby. I mean, was it for sacrifice or was it for uh, blackmail? I wouldn't know. But she said that that happened. So imagine if there was another girl that that happens to. Mm-hmm. And if you look into the whole story of Yao of God in um, Brazil, friends with, uh, what's her name? What's the t- black talk show lady? Oprah Winfrey. He was a friend of Yahweh of God. Yahweh God got oh, busted for having a, a baby mill.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: a whole nother. We could do a whole nother show on Yahweh God. But he got busted for having a baby mill. He was literally having women get pregnant. And they were, you know, the babies, no, you know, nobody. It's just not traceable, just like Jack Nicholson. Like, where did this person come from?
1: That's exactly why I always bring that up is there are these untraceable kids out here that grow up to a, to be adults and then they're somehow involved in Hollywood stuff but how many cosmetic products and how how many Nestle this and Taco Bell that if you look at the ingredient list it's some kind of weird aborted fetal cell crap and this weird stuff that they they've siphoned off of the uh, spinal uh cord this the spina bifidia stuff and it's in long comb products to, just to be more specific it's but like
0: witchcraft like what do you, you think they
1: they style. need so many babies for i mean it doesn't even have to be the ritual sacrifice as much as it's it's a product that they're selling they need this stuff from the kids because they're making long comb night cream in mass production but Have you watched, actually, Dr. Sleep?
0: I watched a little bit of it. That was where they had the smiley face, too. I saw the smiley face scene. I think I got through the whole thing. What about it uh, did you note?
1: Well, it kind of had to... It's weird, because it kind of had to tie in parts from the book and Stanley Kubrick's Shining for it to make sense, because... Stanley made The Shining so different than the book that in order to make Doctor Sleep make sense, they kind of had to take from the book and from the movie. But in the book, the little girl who ends up having The Shining was Danny's niece. And so that's why she has The Shining. They didn't really include too much of that in the movie, but... The movie in itself is about sacrificing children in order to suck the steam, quote unquote, out of them for these vampires that live forever. And they can only live forever if they suck this stuff off of the kids and it's only kids who have the shiny so that's why they want Danny Danny's knee so bad is she's got it like Danny like it's really really strong and they want her more than any of the other kids because um how they obtain the steam quote unquote is they have to torture the child to death oh wow and then right. they right. they suck the steam out of, like, the kid's mouth. And, like, there was this really gruesome scene where they abducted this little kid um, who was playing baseball. He was probably 10 or 11, something, like, around that age. And they stabbed him to death. And he was screaming. And it was horrible. And they were sucking the steam out of the stab wounds. And you wonder where... Oh, where right. did the inspiration come from Right for this scene and this plot in association with The Shining and Stanley Kubrick? I mean, William, how much are we going to allow them to include into movies before we say this probably isn't... Just a science fiction movie This probably right. isn't just a horror film There's probably somebody out there Really doing this stuff
0: I wouldn't be surprised I mean these days I wouldn't be surprised Of anything weird blood drinking like Damien Ackles or something like that who knows Crowley was a blood drinker human blood drinker So is some of these other guys Alejandro Yodorowski. So I don't know what the heck's going on with them But have you ever heard the theory that Danny In The Shining got The Shining Because he was ritually abused and broke and he disassociated and that's the subtext is that his dad the jack nicholson character was abusing him sexually physically and sexually
1: thank you for that william yes so there are so many wizard of oz references in the shining as well i
0: didn't know that i didn't
1: know and uh there is a scene actually where we see the twin girls for the first time, which is something that Stanley added. They weren't supposed to be twins. It was supposed to be a girl ghost, not twin girls. But that goes back to Gemini and like some other stuff. But you can actually Google this, William. In the first scene where we meet the twins on the tour of the Overlook, there is a poster behind them. And in all caps, it says MONARCH. Wow. And the Wizard of Oz references in association with the DID and Tony, the little boy that lives in his mouth, and that is classic dissociative identity disorder. Something that happens to you when you've been a victim of SRA,
0: right? You've been abused, right? Right, so it's there, like that story's there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would make sense. Like, and then the Jack is caught reading a men's pornography magazine, right? Not a woman's one, too, which full, further bolsters that. Have you seen that? It was a play Playgirl, not a Playboy, that he was holding.
1: Ooh!
0: You haven't seen that? You haven't heard that one?
1: No. Oh yeah, check Lawrence. There are theories that the manager of the Overlook Hotel was actually supposed to be JFK, which is very interesting. Heard that. Going back to the whole NASA thing. Um,
0: The NASA thing that's in there. So that's him getting up from the chair in the interview, and he's holding. Clearly, you can just see this. It's uh, Playgirl with the thing circle. You can see this here, incest. Why parents sleep with their children. So that's the secret theme. Oh my God, yeah.
1: William.
0: Yeah, mind blown, huh? Crazy.
1: There is a scene where Wendy's checking the boilers and there's a bunch of pictures up on a bulletin board behind her as well. And they're of like ladies tied up in ropes and like weird stuff. And that that's something else that you can easily Google and find, I mean, there is just, the whole movie is a maze. It's like, you think you have it figured out, but then you go down this way and you find something else. And then you find something else over here. And Shelly Duvall, who played Wendy, has lost her mind.
0: It's gone, yeah. She's a mess.
1: She's like in a permanent state of disassociative identity disorder. She thinks that uh, Robin Williams is a lizard person, which some people think lizard people are real, which is cool. But I mean, think about that. She says he's a shape shifter.
0: But do you, what do you think Kubrick? I mean, the rumor is Kubrick was really hard on her and intentionally was using techniques on her to exacerbate her mental state so she could play this role. What if he was really knowingly trying to crack her?
1: Like, he was.
0: You... Okay, yeah.
1: Hmm. I think he was trying to traumatize her. He made her right. do that scene with the baseball bat like 27 times till her hands were raw and bleeding from gripping onto the baseball bat.
0: Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, crazy. So he, he wrecked her. Let's see choking there's kind of weird things is this the poster thing in the background oh so if i if I
1: oh yeah it won't let you focused in, in on that it. it
0: would do it wow
1: yeah so that bulletin board behind her there's like a lady that's like in some kind of weird bondage thing with like her hands and legs tied up and spread out um i mean they they he really had the whole cast treat shelly duvall like an asshole the entire time they were filming her hair started to fall out um, she was having like daily anxiety attacks it was not just filming a movie I mean the whole 237 thing he changed the room number the Apollo uh sweater I mean you name it William you probably know more than I do even about The Shining I have covered it but it's it's just never ending with the stuff you can pick out
0: but it shows the kind of meticulous nature of what Kubrick was capable of was Mm -hmm. like every shot was framed like McCann has talked about that Sean McCann Mm -hmm. like he really looked at it like almost like a classical artist like I'm going to put everything in this put the background put the elements and I think it really intensified the psychology of it all like whether you're getting it Consciously or subconsciously, the mm-hmm. weird Indian themes, uh, yeah, yeah. the charts. Like it's haunted. That's the whole like element of like the ghostly element of like the Native American indigenous people. It's like they're. It suggests like, a, like the, what's the what's the one Stephen King book where they bury the people in the Indian pet cemetery? It kind of oh, gives right. this kind mm-hmm. of like feeling of like a haunted feel, like these people existed and now they don't.
1: It's kind of the idea of a cursed movie. Yeah. And when we watch it, that's why I always say people should put up a spiritual hedge of protection around them. Because even just watching something on this black scrying mirror that we call a television. Tell a vision. I mean... This is welcoming stuff in your life. It's subconsciously <laughs> altering your thoughts whether you want it to or not. And that's why I always say these, these things could really be cursed or have some type of ritualistic nature to them. And they affect how we think. That is why conspiracy theorists are conspiracy theorists because it's that movie um, they live where he puts the glasses on and he can see everything and then he takes them off and it looks another way. That's all we're, we really are trying to do even with our podcast is like, hey, you don't have to believe in it, but just try these sunglasses on and <laughs> listen to this episode and, and just just see what you think. Is everything as it appears or is there something more to this?
0: Right. There's the the undercurrent, the underneath all the stuff. There's definitely, that's the case with Kubrick and his films, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And he's never really loyal to the books. The books are kind of like a template that he riffs off of whatever book it is, whether it's Traum Novell or or Clockwork.
1: Yeah, the books are like the base model. And he's like, hang on a second, let me add... the luxury package to right. this. Let exactly. me, well let me, said. Yeah, put yeah. some chrome wheels on this bad boy. And I love Kubrick's style. I think that they are works of art. I just think he knew what was really going on in these um, more secret, occulted circles, and he was trying to show us that.
0: Yes, I think so. I think that his crowning achievement was Eyes Wide Shut, and he meant it, and he knew it he probably sensed that that was gonna be his last film. So he put all those references into his earlier films in that film, the occultism, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever he could. And I think that he succeeded. Like people have criticized, I mean, it's odd to think that when that film came out, one of the 1999 films, just like Ninth Gate, Matrix, Mm -hmm. Fight Club. But when that film came out, it wasn't well received. And even you, one of the interesting things about that film is to read the critics you know assessment of the film cuz they somehow they didn't get the deeper thing that he was trying to say. They didn't get the class kind of cultural yeah. Concept, that there's something going on behind the scenes at these rich houses that they didn't quite get or ignored or didn't want. It was
1: actually filmed at a Rothschild's mansion. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. So,
1: so. I mean did, is there anything more you can say about that but what what's also interesting is um, if Rotten Tomatoes would have been a thing when Eyes Wide Shut would have come out, it probably would have gotten like two stars. And anytime I see two stars on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm like, oh, this is a really good movie. I need right, to watch because right. I just disagree right. with them completely on all of their analysis.
0: No, I think you're right, too. And it's also who's using Rotten Tomatoes, you know, like what kind of uh, listener or whatever is actually kind of involved in this too. so.
1: Mm-hmm. People forget Man. though about um, Full Metal Jacket and uh, Clockwork Orange and Lolita.
0: Lolita, right. And wow. I, I mean, I think that the, one of the darker things about Kubrick is that according to Crazy in Days and Nights, that he was statutorily raping that girl who was Lolita. Like he was Humber Humbert. Mm-hmm. And there was all kinds of weird just we want to talk about weird symbolism. Like he seemed to understand the ping pong symbol symbolism. There's literally a ping pong sequence within Lolita. Like why is that there? I don't even know if it's in the book, but that's it's, like common. It, I don't think music. it
1: was. And the weird thing about the book, again, like you said, he just uses it as a template. But he said the book portrayed Lolita as being. 13, maybe, and he casted a 14 year old to play the role, but he said he wanted her to look even younger, maybe nine, is what he said. So, why? The book's already pushing it, you know? So. Right. Let's make her look even younger. Let's make her. And he did do a good job of of being super vague with how old she was. Other than the fact, like with the guy who wrote Alice in Wonderland, uh, what's his name, Lewis Carroll? Uh, that's
0: a, st- a fake name. I forgot what his real name was. Yeah.
1: Lewis Carroll. Um, he was he was sexually obsessed with a young girl that was like nine that's who he based Alice in Wonderland off of. Like, he he didn't just love her. He was in love with her and, like, wanted to be with her. And that is the inspiration behind Alice in Wonderland. And like he
0: could tell her the stories to be with her, right? Right,
1: like a sick freak, like, storyteller kind of guy. And think about kind of the 60s literature, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land. A lot of people were reading Lewis Carroll and for some reason John Lennon who has weird connections to um, Roman Polanski and Kenneth Anger and the Laurel Canyon scene and the Dakota apartments was weirdly obsessed with Alice through the looking glass wow. it's and he said world. I mean John Lennon said that he was sexually attracted to his mother. Weird, William. You want to talk about some weird incestuous stuff along the lines of like, uh, what's the guy's name from the Mamas and the Papas?
0: John oh Phillips. yeah, that, yeah, Phillips was definitely. I mean, that's admitted already, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah. So they are all kind of weirdly incestuous and have like this. Again, I I believe that they are involved in the dark occult, but I could be wrong. I could be right. It's up to the listeners to decide what to do with the information, but I think there's too many dots for this just to be a coincidence.
0: I agree with you. I think there's a lot of strange things going on. I think Manson Mm -hmm. knew a lot of those people. They all said they didn't know him after the whole thing went down at the Tate house. But he was networked with all those people, the uh, Beach Boys and all that stuff. And they all just done it. And I think one of the writers, I forgot her name at the time, but she says nobody was, was surprised that it happened. They were just waiting for it to happen. And Tate, Tate was actually in a movie with uh, the Alexandrian witch. What What is his name? Uh, Alexan- Alex Alexander's. Have
1: you ever oh, seen those pictures of her with
0: Alexander's?
1: No. What? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Full-on witch.
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, I've said this before, but I think Mama Cass was a big witch.
0: Wow. I wouldn't be surprised. There it is. Sanders with Tate. Let me see if I can pull this up. So there are two kind of different strains of Wicca. One is Gardnerian, which is the guy who got his license or whatever from Crowley and borrowed a lot of Crowley stuff. And the other guy is Alex Sanders. So I'm gonna pull that
1: as up in right Sanderson, up. like so. Allie, so then
0: they call it Gardnerian and Alexandrian religion. And Alexander, mm. he has a book somewhere. I I have it somewhere, but uh, let me see if I can pull this up. So this is before she died. So that's her with Sanders in the magic circle, right?
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. Crazy, huh? So she was in a movie called Eye of the Needle. That was she would play to Witch and she she says, like, do you know, like, know everything about magic? It's all like not part of the Manson story, but it should be.
1: What? You ever heard
0: of Eye of the Needle?
1: No. And look at Yeah, how they she have says the devil is beautiful. Out, like, oh yeah. It's like she's being crucified or something.
0: Yeah, she goes, The devil is beautiful or something like that. Ah. Oh. Yeah, no, it's heavy. Let me see if I can find this.
1: That's some heavy stuff.
0: Yeah. So here she is. Like here's the reflecting pool shot. This is from "Eye of the Needle." I think it's with David Niven.
1: Huh. <gasps> the reflection pool. Yeah. You know, um, I talked about that with someone about the 9/11 monument and the the Washington monument. They all have these weird reflection pools.
0: Yeah, it's like As Above, So Below. That's what it's called. Yes.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so it's all. let me see if I can find some other.
1: Creepy AF. It's
0: crazy, huh? Hard to believe. Wow. Yeah, let me see if I can find the Eye of the Needle um, film trailer. I used to have it somewhere. Eye of the Devil, I think it was called.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. Eye
0: of the Devil. Eye of the Devil, I think it was called, yeah.
1: Totally.
0: I think this, this, oh no, this is from somebody else. It was, let's see, at least one person who claimed to have been sexually abused as a child by Crowley was Alex Sanders, the founder of Alexandrian Wicker. Sanders also introduced Sharon Tate to witchcraft when he was hired as a consultant for Tate's first film in 1967, The Eye of the Devil, which is about ritual sacrifice. So, you can add I of the Devil to your. Uh, oh, my gosh,
1: abuse. William! In 1978,
0: in an interview with Jack Pleasant, Sanders claimed to have been introduced to Crowley by his grandmother, Mary Biddy. Sanders was initiated as a witch at age seven.
1: Oh, my god! And his
0: mother took him to meet Crowley when he was a young kid. So they say.
1: How disgusting. Crazy, huh? I mean, even that picture right there is just telling a whole story. It's
0: telling a lot. I mean, you can see Alexander's is all over the place. He's like, oh yeah, here she is from Eye of the Devil. She's wearing the kind of like single pendant with the eye in the in the. Uh, thing here. This is...
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, you know, totally satanic, dude. She knew a lot of that stuff. No mm-hmm. question. But she has like all kinds of uh, lines in there, like, oh, you know, I believe in, do you believe in, oh, she says, do you believe in magic?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's
0: totally a cult, man. It's a total occult film. This is kind of like the background, swinging London, sixties.
1: Sixties, uh huh.
0: I'm trying to find her. I think there's a, there's David Niven. I don't know if you remember him. He's kind of yeah. a big actor back then. But she's like, do you believe in magic?
1: Wow. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, it's a trip, huh?
1: That is he, a she, find right there, William. Yeah. Holy and then I think she crap. Checks.
0: yeah, this is part of the Manson story. There's like the magical pendant she's showing. I wish I had the setup where I could play this. I think she chucks this lady off a cliff. Sharon Tate does.
1: <gasps>
0: yeah, crazy. Mom.
1: And you know, if you look at kind of modern, what's considered like popular is this whole witchiness for women, like t-shirts, like I'm a witch and join my coven and Starbucks witchy and all this stuff. I'm not wearing that crap. I'm not putting on a t-shirt that says, witches is coven. It's not cool. Like they're making it a thing to like sensationalize becoming a witch.
0: Yeah, man, it's totally, they're totally doing the whole, you know, satanic walk of whole society. You'll have to like pull the, pull out of it. Get out. You know.
1: mm-hmm.
0: Let me see. Here's the here's the um, Wikipedia for Eye of the Devil. Nineteen sixty six.
1: Oh my gosh! At Look at
0: Chateau. that. Yeah.
1: A skull. Everything. And that
0: that uh, whenever you see these guys pulling arrows and stuff like that, that, that it actually is a bow and arrow, but it has a cult symbolism. So whenever you see that collected, because it means they're using their will to achieve their ends. So the arrow is a symbol of the will. So wow. they're using their will to get to the target. Wow. So you'll see like David Bowie doing the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath has like videos of them pulling back the arrow. And you'll see it kind of in movie symbolism and stuff like that. So whenever you, you see somebody holding that arrow, that's it's an occult thing. Yeah, crazy.
1: Nobody ever mentions
0: this as part of the whole Tate Manson. I was
1: going to say, and you blew my mind with this because I first off, I had never even heard of it, but the connection back with the Mansons and Roman Polanski, that's freaking wild. And then, you know, with Roman Polanski going on to make The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp and, and, you know, all of his movies are real a cult to there, me.
0: Yeah, he's always the on the dark uh stuff. Like he always plays the dark actor, right?
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: Whether it's the Harry Potter ones or really anything. It's always some kind of like dark thing. You still there?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I'm still here. I was just thinking I'm looking at this this movie trailer thing poster. And my occult mind is like my uh, detective mind is just going a mile a minute because now I want to watch it.
0: I want to watch it.
1: I want to watch it and see, you know, what because it's not that I I, oh let me let me watch this cool movie. It's more for me an investigation. Right.
0: You can kind of see you learn stuff about what they. Think about you know the occult through these things because they put they're inspired by the occult. Like this movie is totally occult. Mm-hmm. I mean, she literally goes, "Do you believe in magic?" Like magic with a K—that's her whole thing.
1: And <laughs> all a movie it really is is just you're seeing through the eyes of the director, and you're seeing through the eyes of whoever's mind thought this crap up. Yeah, the actors are important and all that, and you know, watching the movie to find the symbolism is important, but seeing through the eyes of, like, for this one, directed by J. Lee Thomason, screenplay by Robin, what's that say, Eskridge, Eskridge, and Dennis Murphy. I bet if you look at their track record, they've made quite a few similar films.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. No question. Or they have some kind of pedigree, like an occult pedigree or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's around, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, some, like I said earlier, it's odd that people don't talk about the occult and kind of like normal, nor, you know. Mm-hmm. The higher level kind of intellectuals, public intellectuals don't call when it's everywhere, man. It's mm-hmm. everywhere in society. It's very strange. It's a strange kind of uh, no go zone. It's very odd. It's probably it's one of the cool. reasons why I talk about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like cool now. It's like a click thing. Um, like I was saying earlier with the t shirts, everybody wants to fancy themselves uh, an occultist nowadays or into some type of saging or, and I tell this to people all the time. If you use sage and I'm not saying you're into witchcraft, I'm just saying that the availability has vastly grown within the last maybe 10 years. I mean, when you were in high school, William, could you go to the mall and find like an esoteric gift shop with tarot cards and crystal balls and sage leaves and all this stuff i mean that when i go to the mall there's at least two shops trying to sell me a crystal
0: wow you
1: yeah, know i don't remember so, there was a
0: new age bookstore i think we had one in my town but you had to it wasn't like very find market. it
1: though you know it you had to like know somebody who knew where it was it wasn't next to the hallmark store right Right.
0: No, it's strange. So, it's coming out. my understanding. Somebody told me that the number one religion in girls' high school in LA is Wicca. It's kind of witchcraft. So,
1: well, I mean, you can go to Walmart and get a shirt that says I Heart Wicca now. I mean, pretty much. It's just wow. they're making it readily available for younger and younger people to start off with reading uh, a book about this and then they tangent off into so now they're a witch and they're doing spells and this and that. But the whole premise around which they're Disney movies, but Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus Two that came out a few years ago, maybe a year or or two ago, they y- actually used the pedophile swirl symbol in the new Hocus Pocus movie. And right on, it said Hocus Pocus, and the O was like the swirl and it had the triangles. And they were talking about how there's baby. Uh, embryos inside of um, cosmetic products and stuff like that in the new Hocus Pocus movie. So it's it's kind of normalizing it and making it funny, and it's for kids. It's on Disney Plus, but I don't I don't really know if that should be something that kids are exposed to.
0: Yeah, I would say no. I would say right? no. I would like to go back to my days growing up. Where, like, the biggest challenge was maybe smoking cigarette butts that somebody took from a, like a cigarette tray, <laughs> because we didn't have
1: fentanyl,
0: witchcraft, gender fluidity,
1: mm, um, none of it. I
0: mean, none of it. Nobody was confused about their gender. And no there were guys that were kind of always get men and women who were gay, but it wasn't. There was no pride. It was just people just knew and was what they did and
1: mm-hmm. it wasn't
0: like it wasn't like it was like that like people hated them or anything there wasn't really very few like the gay bashing i think is just didn't i'm i'm anymore. i'm
1: 100 with you on that because it didn't used to, it like if somebody was like oh i'm gay it's like okay who cares
0: yeah it just was like, like okay like
1: who cares I mean, I, no. I, yeah, it's Just now it's it, like, oh, sure,
0: boss, you get special treatment or whatever.
1: Right. Seems I mean, very odd. I, and
0: it's also in your face, like, okay, do you have to have a dance and a parade about it? Just go do your life. Go to the gay bar. Right. Oh. It just seems so much different now. Like, the culture's, it's not as, it's just not, it's not as wholesome. and It doesn't seem as, as, as untainted for, like, kids. Like, kids didn't have those challenges, so. Now it's like, dude, you could take the wrong No, I completely
1: and agree. And the weird thing, too, is when I was in middle school. So when I was in elementary school, I was just worried about, like, finding a stick to play with outside. And then, you know, middle school comes around. You're, you're asking your mom if you can get a Blackberry or whatever. And this is kind of you want to see how fast you can text mm-hmm. your friend back. But. When I got into high school, that's kind of when MySpace and Facebook and social media started popping up. And I think that's what's made everything so readily available. I mean, when I get onto Instagram or YouTube or any of these social media platforms, all they are trying to do is sell me stuff. Inundating me with ads to try to sell me stuff. But... They're also doing that to you with things that are not tangible. They're trying to sell you ideas, ways to think about yourself, ways to think about society, ways to think about other people. All social media is, is this huge thought experiment where they're inundating you with products to buy and ideas to buy. And they're just stuffing crap into your mind at such a fast rate. You don't even know. Like sometimes I get off my phone and I'm like, I'm exhausted.
0: I, I just tired. destroyed. I just destroyed my Instagram account, so I'm officially free of the Mark Zuckerberg concentration camp of the mind. I've <laughs> broken congratulations, all connections.
1: William. So, <laughs> I wish I could join so you.
0: I just don't miss it at all. I don't miss Facebook or anything because that's the same thing. You just keep getting bombarded with stuff like, mm-hmm. oh God. But we are at the 90-minute mark now, Julia. Is there anything I got to run out? No, anything yeah. Like that? Where can people find your stuff? I mean, you know a lot about this, like Ari. <laughs> and the other movie that I wanted to talk about, we have to do another show, is Don't Worry, Darling. Maybe we get Sean and we'll
1: Ooh, do now, so. We could do maybe a team up on that one. Yeah, that, would really that would be really good. good. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah.
0: about it because I missed that. There was a lot of stuff behind the scenes, too. Apparently, there was some kind of... Love Quadrangle or something weird going on behind the scenes. So
1: yeah, we need, we need to team up on that one for sure. Um, if the listeners want to find where I am, I'm wherever you listen to podcasts uh, and also on YouTube. I have my own website. It's CosmicPeachPodcast.com. Some people don't have Instagram, so they're not able to access my links from instagram so i just point them to type in your web browser on your phone or your computer whatever it is that you have you can type in cosmicpeachpodcast.com and you'll find the links for the youtube spotify apple etc you can also check out um i have links to all the guests that have been on my show williams on the guest page and a lot of other cool podcasters are on the guest page and you can even if you're a fellow podcaster and you want to reach out and work with me, you can actually send me a message on my website and uh, we can team up for an episode like this one or whatever it is. But that that's probably the easiest way to find me is through my website
0: website, which is Cosmic Peach Podcast, dot com, dot com. Mm-hmm.
1: Dot com cool. And, and cool. William, of course, you got to uh, plug your stuff, too.
0: Oh, you know, it's the same stuff. William Ramsey investigates podcast website the easiest way to contact me is email just William Ramsey Investigates at gmail.com or protonmail.com and i'm just trying to get off of the toxic big tech sites i don't know if i could ever get away from google but i think i'll try to <laughs> i don't know if i can pull it off but i think it's just like it's like leaving sodom and gomorrah you want to kind of leave and not look back like uh Lot's wife, you know, because right. it really is turning inside him. I'm never like I'm old. I never expected it to be this bad. Like they're literally mutilating kids who are under I the know. age of ten. It couldn't be more evil. Uh, they're taking away their choice. They're violating God's plan for these kids. And these are monsters. They should be put in jail. I really mm-hmm. detest these people who are ever involved in this fake ass morality. That this mm-hmm. is the highest moral choice. Or gender affirming, it's the opposite of gender affirming. That's the fake terminology that these devils use. Like you're a transphobe. I'm really not phobic. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you wanted to wear a dress. That's fine. But you're never. I'm hundred percent
1: with you, and I just want to clarify that for the listeners because I myself have been accused of that. I'm not scared of anybody. Nothing scares me. Okay. I'm not scared of you if you're gay. I'm not scared of you if you like to wear a dress. I'm not scared. Like, I'm not to dress
0: like a man coming
1: after you. I don't care what it is you do. I just care about getting the truth to people who want to hear it. There is propaganda going on. There is an agenda going on. And I don't think Satan, I don't think Satanists or the devil have a sexual preference. I think that there's straight Satanists. I think there's gay Satanists. I think there's trans Satanists. I don't think that's... Like, I'm not saying you're evil if you're gay. I'm just saying, look at the signs. There are some really sinister events occurring in our society, and it happens to be centered around certain uh, ideas. I'm not afraid of gay people or whatever. It's like you were saying. But there is something more to this.
0: Yeah, there's something sinister. And the name-calling... I think people have to get past these very simple terms like "you're a so and so" or labeling, and actually think about meaningful thoughts that have meaning and effects on people outside of yourself. Like you may think that it's this weird fake morality. Like I've thought about it; it's not a matter of intelligence. These are very intelligent people. I actually, respect a lot of the intellectual uh, skills of people on th- who support these things. That's fine. It's not that it's the moral. And con- the consequences of somebody out outside of themselves that they're in in, in uh, kind of invading so like some 10 yeah. year old kid like you can uh, you can shove your ideas into a 10 year old kid and tell him what he thinks is right who's who's doesn't have that experience in life that's why you can't sign a contract till you're 18 or
1: you know do yeah certain right ride. like there's reasons like that but head. you can go yeah you can have
0: gender <laughs> affirming like a lot of these guys are ruined their lives are ruined
1: right because guy, you can't get a tattoo right until you're a certain age you can't drink alcohol you can't drive a car there' are certain ages right. where are appropriate like
0: lessons yeah
1: yes so let's let's just leave the kids out of it is all yeah. I'm saying
0: yeah I agree leave the kids out of it
1: mm-hmm. Julia
0: cosmic peach podcast thanks so much for your time really appreciate it Thank great to talk William
1: with you. all
0: right cool stay there